Hi, and welcome back. Attorney Steve Vondren here. We have some breaking news for you on the BitTorrent litigation front. Okay, this involves Strike 3 Holdings and deals with early discovery. Now, I have other videos out on early discovery, what it is. And um, I want to talk to you. Early discovery is that process in federal court when a litigant like a plaintiff like Strike 3 Holdings or Malibu Media files a copyright infringement claim and then they seek early discovery to go subpoena your internet service provider ISP. Okay, could be Cox, Comcast, AT&T, Verizon, a variety of different ISPs. Now, um, originally there was a case out of New Jersey that denied Strike 3 the right to engage in this early discovery. And so that is one thing that happened. And that was a case that, that I know Strike 3 was looking closely at. And they actually went to appeal it. And they did appeal, and it recently came back that they won the appeal. Okay, in other words, the court is going to allow them to engage in early discovery. Okay, this was an order that came down on June 30th, 2020. So just recently. So this is breaking IP copyright infringement news. And this is general legal information only, not legal advice. But I want to talk about it. I'm not a big fan of allowing these companies to do early discovery. My thoughts are, why can't they do discovery like everybody else does? You do your real, Rule 26 meet and confer contest uh, or uh, meet and confer phone call with your opposing counsel. You talk about deadlines and dates and discovery issues. Judge approves it. Then you go engage in your, your discovery. Here, they want to engage in their discovery right after they file their complaint. And many times now, right after they were subject to a motion to quash on these bill of discoveries that they're filing in Florida. But nevertheless, uh, a decision that looked good for Internet subscribers now looks bad. And this is from the New, New Jersey courts. And let me just read you just some of the stuff here. Um, again, it's a motion for expedited discovery. And plaintiff's motion to leave, they wanted to proceed with early third-party discovery and for an extension of time to serve the defendants. So the trial court again said, nope, not going to let you do it. Appellate on appeal, the appellate court said, trial court got it wrong. Okay, so um, essentially, let's. I'm going to give you just some, read a few clips here. Essentially, because the court found the complaint did not state a viable claim expedited discovery was not necessary. This is the trial court. The trial court said, I don't see a viable claim here. You're just naming an internet subscriber. How do we know if they're uh, the downloaders or just the mom or the dad or, you know, cousin Joe's paying for the internet account? Who would know? You know, that happens all the time. And so, you know, plaintiffs are filing these actions. They really don't know. This is my opinion. They really don't know who the defendant is, the person. They don't know if they're actually an infringer. They don't know if they're the mom, the dad. They don't know if it's a, a group home, an old folks home, fraternity. They, don't, they really don't know what it is. All they have is an IP address. Nevertheless, uh, the appellate court says this shows good cause. Um, it shows good cause. And the lower court, a couple of things the uh, lower court talked about and. This may be helpful to some plaintiffs in future cases. Some things the lower court identified seven reasons underscoring its conclusion that early discovery was not appropriate. Number one, 
Strike three bases its complaints on unequivocal affirmative representations of alleged facts that it does not know to be true. And I tend to agree that it doesn't know. And it, the complaint says, oh, this, this IP address is the infringer, the subscriber, and all that stuff. Two, strike three subpoenas are misleading and create too difficult of an opportunity for misidentification. Number three, the linchpin of strike three's good cause argument that expedited discovery is the only way to stop infringements of its work is wrong. There's other ways to stop infringements of your work. You can send cease and desist letters. That would do it, wouldn't it? Many times. Uh, four, Strike Three has other available means to stop infringement besides suing individual subscribers in thousands of John Doe complaints. Five, the, t- the deterrent effect of Strike Three's lawsuits is questionable. And that's an interesting point. Um, as much as I try to educate people, the cases keep coming. Number six. Hang on. Excuse me. Thank you, Frontline. That's Frontline Lisa back there working hard. Ladies and gentlemen, world's hardest worker, smartest and hardest. And since she's my wife, she's the prettiest. I can say that. Uh, Number six. Substantial prejudice may inure to subscribers who are misidentified. If you're misidentified, you got to go through the rigmarole. Uh, number seven, and finally, strike three underestimates the substantial interest subscribers have in the constitutionally protected privacy of their subscription information. Remember, we do have a Cable Privacy Act, which is why these internet service providers have to, um, you know, they have to be told they can give your information away. So there is obvious, we've seen it's a cable Federal Cable Privacy Act which reasonably says you do have a right of privacy. However, the appellate court said no, disagreed with these grounds. Um, Let's see what the court said on appeal. Um, Impact. Um, without leave, let's see, let's see, without leave to seek identifying information, plaintiff's actions would grind to a halt. So in other words, they may not have a court to go if they don't get the early discoveries, what the court is saying. And what I'm saying is, well, why can't they just do regular discovery like everyone else? What is the need, the special need for early discovery? According to the research I've done, it needs to be um, provided or granted in rare circumstances. And there's a set of factors. I have another video on early discovery. Watch that if you want to dig down and take a deeper dive. So they're saying, well, you know, they wouldn't really be able to proceed. Um, That could be a problem. Um, Court analyzed and said there's a good cause standard that governs whether to permit discovery prior to a Rule 26F conference. That's the conference I told you normally we got to wait for that in federal court cases. And we've been in over, I don't know, 150, 170 cases. So normally that's how it goes. But for a special reason, Strike 3 Holdings gets to do early discovery. Um, And here's some more rationale. Courts faced with motions for leave to serve. Hang on, i got to decline a meeting here. Okay, so hang on a second. Okay, so... Uh, Courts faced with motions for leave to serve expedited discovery requests 
to ascertain the identity of John Doe defendants in internet copyright infringement cases often apply the good cause test. The good cause test. Court says, I'm going to look at the totality of the circumstances and we're going to balance the interests of the plaintiff and the defendant, of course, balance their privacy interests. Here are some of the factors the court said they were looking at, which is a lot of factors. Um, one, the timing of the request in light of the formal start to discovery, the timing of the request. Two, whether the request is narrowly tailored, and typically they only want your name and address. Three, the purpose of the requested discovery is to get your name so they can see if you're the infringer. Four, whether discovery burdens the defendant. Now, typically the discovery goes to the ISP. It's the ISP, if anyone, that is, is burdened, which is what many courts, a position many courts have taken. And five, whether the defendant can respond to the request in an expedited matter. Now, a couple other considerations. The plaintiff's ability to make out a prima facie showing of infringement. Prima facie really just means that you're hitting all the elements you need to prove a particular tort or to prove infringement. And um, the absence of alternative means for obtaining the information. Okay, yes, it would be hard to obtain alternative information of the name and address of the subscriber, basically because of the Federal Cable Privacy Act. Four, the need for the information sought in order to advance the claim. Yes, of course, they need it. Five, the defendant's expectation of privacy. Again, as I talked about cable privacy, there is an expectation. Court basically said it's not that big a deal because we will, we will impose a protective order so the name... Uh, will ha not be able to come out in court. That ought to protect the plaintiff. And that's kind of the gist of the holding here. So the court says at the pleading stage, a court must accept all well-pleaded allegations in the complaint as true and view them in the light most favorable to the plaintiff, which is what they're doing. A short and, state a short and plain statement of the facts, as you, my law student uh, watchers and viewers, listeners, short and plain statement of the fact. This is called notice pleading. And um, the court must take note of the elements of a plaintiff, must plead to state a claim. Okay, second, the court should identify allegations that, because they are no more than conclusions, are not entitled to the assumption of truth. But here, here you have plaintiff that says, oh, this person's an infringer, whole-scale infringement, but they really don't know if the, the subscriber is the infringer. Nonetheless, uh, the courts are giving them deference. And even though it may appear just to be a conclusion, especially when you don't know if it's true or not, they are entitled to the assumption of truth. Well, and there it is. So if it's going to be an assumption of truth, then I guess anything they say in the complaint is assumed to be true, uh, according to this court. Third, when there, when there are well-pleaded factual allegations, a court should assume their veracity and then determine whether they plausibly give rise to an entitlement for relief. The focus, therefore, is not on whether the plaintiff will ultimately be able to prove each fact alleged in the complaint, but simply whether, if such facts are later proven to be true, the plaintiff has stated a legally actionable claim. So um, we do know some, some of their claims are valid. We do know that. Um, defendant download. Um, what else do I have here? So the court basically reviewed it, reviewed everything, reviewed all the factors, said it meets the good faith standard, and said, you know what, um, let's let them do their early discovery. 
based on all the factors, a weighing of the totality of the circumstances, let's let them do their early discovery. So that seems to be uh, where things are at right now in New Jersey. In California, we have the Cobbler case, the Cobbler Nevada. I have a video on that if you want to watch a Cobbler Nevada, which talks about moving forward in the litigation, the need to show something more than just an internet subscriber. You can check that video out. Google Attorney Steve Cobbler Nevada. It makes me hungry every time I say it. It makes me want a piece of cobbler. Um, what else? Consistent with notice pleading rules, liberal, liberal discovery rules, meritorious claims must be permitted to proceed even if a plaintiff cannot adduce all the necessary facts at the outset, including the identity of the defendant. The plaintiff should be given an opportunity through discovery to identify the unknown defendants. So um, it would be interesting why if they're entitled to early discovery, why wouldn't a defendant be entitled to early discovery? Let's see what evidence you have before you infringe on my cable privacy rights. Uh, maybe that's something we will see in the future. I don't know. I'm just saying here again, not legal advice. Uh, do not rely. Do not follow. This is general legal information only. And finally, while it is true that if reasonable discovery does not unveil the proper identities, the John Doe defendants must be dismissed, but we have seen them go after household members as well. Let's not forget. The John Doe defendants must be dismissed. Such considerations are simply premature at this juncture and must await the result of the limited discovery plaintiff will be permitted to take. Okay, so that's the decision. Um, it's basically the, the Westlaw citation to it is 2019 WL5446239, uh, New Jersey, October 24th, 2019. And the order just, as I mentioned, just signed the other day. So there you have it. I wanted to bring that to you, my fellow um, warriors, my litigation warriors, my law students, my people in the trenches, my law buffs, people that just like to know what's going on in the courts and how the legal system works. That's a little bit more on early discovery, strike three torrent cases. And again, we're seeing a lot of the federal courts actually slow down as these cases in Miami-Dade County, Florida, pick up these bill of discoveries. And that's a whole nother enchilada, save for another day. But appreciate you listening. AttorneySteve.com, you need help with an internet case, social media, social media, law, copyright. You know where to find us on the web at Frontline. AttorneySteve.com. AttorneySteve.com, the first name in legal services. Hey, everybody, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Happy Fourth of July. If you like this video, feel free to share it. That's where we are in the litigation BitTorrent trenches, okay? Have a great weekend. Be safe.